0: it's football season y'all we're going into the arizona defense right now on wildcat radio wildcat radio welcome back wildcats to wildcat radio the most interesting podcast in your face covering arizona football arizona basketball and arizona recruiting this is brian conger Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ, on Facebook at Wildcat Radio AZ, and visit our website, wildcatradioaz.com. Rob's putting up a lot of sleazy stuff there, still, during football season. (laughs) Um, I am joined, as not as always, I am joined, finally, by the man, the myth, know, the legend right? on the East Coast. By, by how, how is the East yeah, Coast?
1: Um, it is hot and humid. It's about 89 degrees. I'm actually in Clemson country, believe it or not. So oh. um, it's weird to be surrounded by a good football team and a bunch of rabid fans that have a good football team to root for.
0: <laughs> get some of that money from Dabble while you're out there. He's got enough to give around. <laughs> Let's get us some microphones. Yeah, he's. He's got plenty. He doesn't need it. And you know what? The way
1: things are going, DJ Ugaleley, who just committed uh, and actually beat out Oregon, that quarterback out of uh, St. John Bosco, uh, he probably got quite a bit of money as well, I would assume.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially out of a, We're not going to talk FBI this this week, I promise. But uh, the, after after those reports about Clemson with people in nice suits and briefcases, uh, you never know now. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, you never know. You never know who the bag men are.
0: <laughs> hey, um... So that quarterback visited Arizona because he's, yeah. I think, the nephew of uh, our defensive line coach.
1: Yeah, and, and he visited, I want to say he visited well, way back when with one of his uh, first visits. I mean, that was probably seven, eight months ago. I mean, it didn't, you didn't really think we had a shot with him, did you?
0: I thought maybe because of Sumlin. I mean, this was right when Sumlin had decided he was coaching at Arizona, plus the the family connection. I just thought, well, yeah. you know, you never know. Like, you know, he he's pulled a couple of players out of his hat, and um, <laughs> and those dreams were quickly dashed when he like we yeah. weren't in his top twenty, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's you know, and again, you talk. I I think where we always talk about Arizona wanting to aspire to is to have a have a shot like you know a guy like that. And I you know I think they did a good job with. You know the 2018 class and, and getting you know some some high level four star recruits um, and and especially going back into Texas, I just think you know when you're looking at that, that's a whole different ballgame. And and really at, at this point, no one's recruiting nearly as well as Alabama and Clemson do on a on a yearly basis. And that's you know that's with my dad being an Ohio State fan, and here we look at, at the hall that they had, and they're still not in the same hemisphere as as those two. So um, it, it's it's pretty wild how good those two programs are
0: it's amazing and it makes me miss football so much because even when you have teams like ohio state and alabama and clemson maybe let's let's set alabama and clemson a little further away but teams like ohio state and kind yeah. of that second tier of super super elite talent you still yeah. have teams like indiana you know and like kansas state <laughs> <laughs> like you know they get those as iowa state comes you know just barrels through Oklahoma and it just makes the sports so fun and I'm so excited to talk about football so we if, if you haven't listened to our last podcast Rob and I went over Arizona's offensive uh depth chart going into spring the defensive depth chart is a little bit more hairy uh Rick and I'm uh, I'm curious what you what you thought of our offense in general and then let's get into the defense here yeah well
1: I I think offensively, um you know I, I, you and Rob had alluded to the fact that I think the offensive line is probably the biggest question mark next to our our wide receiver core, and you know honestly, I think like you guys had said, you know, I don't think the the wide receiver core um is is poised to have you know kind of a subpar season. I think they're going to have a breakout season. I think they'll probably find two or three guys that can step in right away and be real contributors and real factors and hopefully separate from a uh, damn defensive back once in a while. Um, So I'm really excited to see how that group does. I think offensively, you know, going back to the offensive line, um, you know, we've got I think a really capable starting five, I think where it gets hairy is that we don't have any depth and we're, we're, you know, without a doubt going to lose, you know, two or three of those guys sometime during the season for at least a game or two, because that's the way it always works out. So they're really going to have to shuffle it around and, and do some good things. But um, I do like our new offensive line coach. I think he's going to be, um, you know, really special. And, and again, I think a guy that potentially would, you know, look at moving on to a, a bigger program a couple years down the road. If, if they, keep things rolling, but, um, I'm, I'm really encouraged. I, 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 know that, you know, there's, there's some question marks out there, but, um, you know, we've got a lot of talent coming back. You would hope Khalil Tate studies the ship, um, and makes smart decisions, even though the spring game was a little hairy. Um, I, I, I just think that, that they're poised, um, to, you know, put up the numbers more consistently. And I, I'm hoping that that leads, uh, hopefully to a couple, couple more wins this season. So we can uh, be bull eligible again.
0: Yeah, hope springs into eternal. And one of the things that I like about the Arizona football program going into this season is that the expectations are like moderately high, but not super high. Right. With Arizona basketball, it's if we don't make the final four, it's a disappointment. And there have been. 20 years of, disappoint, of disappointment, a long, a long time of disappointment on that front. But there's always the talent and it's exciting and we win the conference and all that stuff. And then it's this kind of crapshoot in the NCAA tournament. Whereas in college football, yeah. I think an eight win season is like most Arizona fans would consider that a success this year. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think unlike Arizona basketball, where it's almost like an overpromise underdeliver situation, I think with Arizona football, it's it's typically an underpromise overdeliver situation. Or hey, maybe we'll just go five hundred. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, if if I get if, if if we get eight or nine wins this year, which which I'm fully expecting, we have I think the talent on the roster now to build that out. Um, I, I I don't see a reason why that isn't achievable.
0: You have a Khalil Tate again hope hope springs eternal right now if he puts it together this offense can be really fun to watch and uh, so even if there are deficiencies on the defensive side and there then there will be i think um and yeah. even some on the offensive side if you have a transcendent player like tate playing at the level that we saw him a few years ago um that is pretty exciting i think one of the things that makes me a little nervous is his numbers tailed off a little bit i'll have to go back and look at how much they tailed off but i think offenses is kind of figured out all right how do we at least contain this to where it's not the Colorado game where every time he touch the ball, yeah. it's like 70 yard run. Um, is, but, but like, even with that, I mean, a contained Khalil Tate playing at a high level is one of the most exciting players to watch period in college football. So very excited about that. Yeah. But, but we are talking about the defense, uh, Rick. And I, um, like starts starts with the big <laughs> uglies and it's kind of a problem but let's let's take an over overview like what are your general impressions of the defense as we go into the 20 is it the 2019 season I guess you'd call it the 2019 season
1: yeah the 2019 season 2019 2020 I guess if we make a um, you know a, a bowl game um, you know I, I think initially it's it's very similar to the offense I think you look at um, some key areas where we will excel, which will be our linebacker core, is is solidified, um, and then that secondary, I think, is going to be a really, really strong unit and one of the best in the Pac-12 um, if Marcel Yates doesn't screw it up. So I, I look at those two areas, and and uh, I get really excited about what we've got. Um, and I think I think our depth is probably going to be the biggest question mark across the board. It's not whether or not um, you know we can get production out of, you know, the, the linebacker core, um, and the secondary. Um, but I think from the defensive line perspective and the linebacker core, you know, how much depth do we have behind those guys. So that Colin schooler doesn't have to play every play, every game, um, and, uh, you know, play while he's got a 103 degree fever. Um, and, uh, it, it lost 15 pounds, you know, over the last week. So, um, I, I'm really excited to see what I guess what kind of depth we build over the course of the season. And then I, I also am interested to see, you know, I think as you you guys allude to quite a bit, is um with with this defense, it's kind of that do or die season for Marcel Yates. I think the talents there, I think that there is enough to get us to the eight nine wins that we need. Um, but you know, how does it perform underneath that defense and and is, is it called to our strengths and is Marcel going to be able to adapt and adjust in games on the fly? And I still think that's a huge question mark.
0: Yeah. I'm going to push back a little on, well, a lot on the secondary in regards to whether or not this is like a program that will be one of the best secondaries in the PAC 12. I just don't think the talent's there and I don't trust Marcel Yates. So we, uh, according to beta rank, we were 86th in the country in defense, We were and and by the way, like Rob's numbers are quite good. So go ahead and look up S P and compare them to Rank. and like if you actually watch the games, like Rob's numbers are actually a little bit more closer to I think what we actually see on the field. But they are comparable um advanced metrics and um and if if you're new to the podcast, like check out Wildcat Radio A Z. You can talk to Rob like and he can walk through his his math wizardry you know like burn the math witch if you don't like his numbers <laughs> like, <laughs> these are pretty good um effective pass we are 94th in the country so and i understand that we had um we had injuries in the secondary but like every team has injuries uh all over the place you had jace whitaker out and i understand that he was um according to pro football focus which talk about burn the math witch like i just yeah. i you know like they were throwing his name out as if he was a, a top like a top draft pick in the NFL he's fine like let's I would love to see how and I I hope he steps up and I hope he gets drafted and I hope he has one of the best years in the country I just wasn't as sold I think on his ability as a as a corner which is clearly a gazillion times better than I would ever be at playing cornerback but you know obviously the bar is pretty high (laughs) when we're talking about division one football I think he's a, a good corner Um, I thought Lorenzo Burns, because Jace Whitaker was out, wasn't able to step in and, uh, and play at the level that like, you know, when you, um, I'm trying to think of like a good example. Let's use USC, right? USC had uh, Iman Marshall. And then it was like Jack Johnson, I think was the other guy. Right. And Johnson's numbers were pretty good. Um, And then Marshall leaves and Johnson's numbers are okay because he's not quite at the level of somebody that's even better than him. I think that might be the case here with Whitaker and Lorenzo Burns. And when you go back and kind of look at the depth after that, I mean, who, who at corner is going to really step up and make some noise? I think this is one of the bigger question marks. Obviously we have some experience, Rick, but um, I still haven't seen the production. Even when Whitaker was on the team last two years ago, I mean, our secondary was really bad in pass coverage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well and and I and and I do get your point. I think what I look at is the returning experience where I mean basically you're sitting there with um a couple juniors, a couple seniors um and then you know we've got some sophomores kind of throwing the mix. Then you introduce Bobby Wolf who's a four star um, all everything coming from Texas um, who, you know, could fill in there or, or potentially back up a safety spot. Um, and I think that you've got a couple guys that can really work the press man coverage. Um, and, and hopefully it shut down one side of the field. Cause what we've seen is that we just haven't been consistent enough, especially when we drop back into um, you know, the, those zones oh, or we're yeah. playing off. <laughs> um, oh man, like when we, the thing that has killed me the last couple of years, was when we play off the ball four, five, six yards, um, give them a cushion because we're worried about, um, you know, releasing deep and um, all of a sudden they break over the middle for 15, 20 yards um, and can convert a first down um, on third down. And, and we've, and, and I, I don't know what the beta rank is, obviously, you know, we don't have Rob on, but over the last couple of years, I would venture to guess our third down efficiency in terms of, you know, getting teams off the field is, is one of the worst in, in the country. I'm um, glad you asked. And I, and for, I'm as you asked,
0: Rick. It's eighty-first. Yep. It was eighty-first last year.
1: Yep, yep. And it's and it shows. Um, and it showed the last few years. And so you know, again, I I think. You know, I do understand your concern and I, and I think that there are definitely some question marks, but I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if we find, you know, three or four guys that rotationally can, can, um, really do a nice job this year and come into their own, uh, you know, when we, when we, you know, have, have some significant, I I would say situations where they have to step up, um, and you know, they're forced to play that man, man on man coverage. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But but I think it's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on the – and I think you make a good point in regards to the actual experience that we have. Obviously, the corners are going to be better this year than they were last year. We were playing – I think we played two freshmen, right? We played uh, – I think yeah. Mackenzie Barnes. At...
1: So we had like a rotation of Malik Housman. Um And then uh, ZZ Hearn was in there a little bit. Um, and then who's the kid that just transferred to? I forget his name. I mean, it was kind of like uh, you know cornerback by committee.
0: Yeah, and and now you return you turn somebody like uh, like Jace Whitaker. You have Lorenzo Burns, so those those positions are probably locked down. And now you get into the question of how good is Bobby Wolf? Can you know can Azizi Hearn, yeah. Can Troy Young? Can Barnes? Can these players um, get better? as the, as the years progress and they will. So I do think you'll see an improvement, but I'm just not sold as this being one of the, I guess I'm pushing back on, is this one of the best units in the PAC 12? I would say, no, I would think that they're in the middle until they can prove it. And, and I would very much like them to prove it because we are very underwhelming the last two years. And I still don't, I still don't trust uh, Marcella Yates. But when you look over at the safeties, I think this is where the strengths come in a little bit more. I think Christian Young did a pretty yep. good job, right? He was um, really thrown in the fire. Yep. you talking about playing freshman and he uh, we ran out of bodies well, you threw in Christian yep. Young in a position that wasn't his natural fit. He's now over at free safety, probably locks down that position. You have Tristan Cooper, who I thought was a strong surprise last year: thirty-six tackles, six pass breakups, and he came in um, and really filled in some spots. And then Scotty Young, who um, obviously had the off-field issues. It took him a while to get back into the groove, and those first two games yeah. were kind of rough watching him play. <laughs> like there's the there's I oh, forget there's like a play when um, yeah. when the batteries go dead on like your Xbox and you're playing like safety <laughs> you're just standing there the guy blows by where it touched out. that happened literally in real life with scotty young but i think at the end of the oh, year man. he put it together
1: yeah yeah do you remember the houston game where they were just throwing bombs oh, over the God. top and finally i mean it was it, it, like and that was against our basically our first team's safety group um you know for the first half of that game so uh it was it was rough at times but yeah i think well and, and you know we talk about um you know, I think the secondary in two parts. And and when you're talking about the safety group, um, it's really interesting that, you know, you look at, at names like uh, Chacho uh, Loa. Remember when he was getting recruited as like a linebacker and he was a four-star going to Utah. And that seemed like just yesterday. And now he's a senior.
0: That's
1: crazy. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's it, it's crazy, right? It's uh, So, you know, you look at the group and I think you got Christian Young and, and Scotty Young Jr., um as your starters. And you know, I'm I'm really excited to see what Scotty does with a full year under um, his belt of not being suspended not being hurt um, i think that that's going to be you know something that you're i think you're going to see a lot of growth come from him um, even more so than what you saw last year once he finally got on the field and and i'm really excited to see how he matures and he grows um, to kind of be the leader for the the defense on the back end i think christian young um, as you said is is a star in the making and you know potentially um, down the road a draft pick at six one two hundred nine pounds you know if he adds another Ten pounds. He's going to be, um, you know, a really, really nice prospect. And then you got you got guys that have filled in um, in short periods. You know, Rady Short, Chacho, as we um, discussed, Tristan Cooper. Um, you, I think the depth is not a concern here. I think where where you're really looking for, um, you know, the production to show is, you know, if we have to flex and run, you know, one more of these guys on, or we have to get, you know, a, um, a, a you know, we open up that rotation a little bit. I think that we're going to see um you know who had the potential to kind of um you know branch out especially when you get better cornerback play um and and potentially create some um you know some turnover situations which we've really lacked in the last couple years
0: so in the past defense let's say we were in the 90s uh this past Mm -hmm. year what would be an acceptable lowest point like what's what's the floor for uh, the acceptable floor for arizona secondary
1: in terms of what our beta rank would look like,
0: yeah, or just it would be the advanced metrics yeah. for our past defense. I mean, I would say you you'd want to see us move up. Uh, I
1: would say ten to fifteen spots, ideally. I mean at at the at the very least, if we're talking floor, I want to see ten to fifteen spots improvement. Um, you know, from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen, um, and and again, you know, some of that isn't going to show in the direct stats, but. Ideally, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see our, our, um, you know, our turnovers. Um, in, increase, you know, by, you know, two X essentially, because we haven't, we just haven't had a whole lot of production. And, and, you know, not only that, but, you know, we have trouble getting short fields. And if we have short field, I think with our offense and these guys, um, you know, can, can not only come up and run support, um, but also, you know, provide some support in terms of the interceptions. I think we're going to have, have, uh, you know, a decent shot at scoring a lot of points um, and really keeping teams pinned back.
0: I just think if we're 75th, um in pass defense i want yates gone because he he just moved over yeah. oh, from yeah. linebacker coach to coaching the safeties right now like is, it, yeah. it's all been on him and now it's all all on him with a backpack basically <laughs> you, know, you well, need to get these people playing well
1: <laughs> well you you did ask me floor so i mean if i'm going for floor i mean i that has to be the floor and again as we as we we discussed it's kind of put up or shut up for marcel yates
0: Well, let's go from the uh, a question mark slash kind of strength to a strength, which is our linebacking core. And uh, one of the things, and I should give a big digital high five to uh, to Michael Levigan for really just d- diving deep and, and providing some some nuggets that I hadn't really thought of before. So, our linebacking coach is. Uh, I got to I got to remember the guy's name, but we have a new linebacker coach. Oh, John Rushing. <laughs> and yep. he's never coached linebackers before. He has coached the NFL. He's done quality control in the NFL. He has coached secondary. He has coached corners. He has not coached the linebackers. Uh, again, Yates moves from coaching the linebackers to coaching the safeties. And uh, but with all that said, John Rushing has Colin Schooler who had 119 tackles, 21 and a half tackles for a loss, four uh, pass breakups, five quarterback hurries, and a forced fumble. Ball out, young man. That is awesome. I know, Mr. Schooler, you listen to this podcast. Shouts to your entire family. You, you, sir, have raised a beast. I'm so excited to watch him play uh, in the coming year, Rick.
1: Yeah, how about his brother, too, up at Oregon? I mean, his brother looks like he's going to be a top-notch guy for them this year um, on that receiving core. So that's a that's a damn good family, I you know with Colin. Here's a question for you: Why, to me, he this was an All Pac-12 performer last year, yet he still didn't get the votes to to be an All All Pac-12 guy. Why Why do you think that is?
0: I don't know because if you if you watched him so. Sometimes you can count stat, uh, stat counting when you look at total tackles, right? Oftentimes there was a couple guys yeah. on Colorado a few years ago. I don't mean a pick on Colorado, but, um, that both, both their linebackers, their main ones had like 130 tackles each. And the idea is like, well, where did they tackle the player? You know, if they're tackling them yeah. 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, then yeah, they did tackle them, but they weren't in the space to, to shut that stuff down. I think the difference between Colin Schooler and Tony Fields this year. I'm sorry. This past year was that you know they both had more than basically more than 90 tackles, but Schooler was in the spot where he needed to be. He has really incredible awareness, and Fields did last uh, two years ago. It was really fun watching him as a freshman because he was where he needed to be. I think in this last year, Fields took a dropped off a little bit when you compare him to Schooler, and so I, I say that to to say I'm not certain because if you watch the games. Clearly, this is an all Pac-12 guy, and clearly this is somebody that yeah. should be getting national attention. And I just I guess the only argument would be like, no, maybe people are just aren't watching Arizona games. Um But it is a total bummer. Plus, he has the lion hair and it's it's flying all over the place. Yeah. Like, it's really hard not to watch him yeah. on defense. Like, I find myself not watching the scheme sometimes just going, where's Colin Schooler running right now?
1: Well, absolutely, and and you know what I I think I think where Colin really comes into play, and you kind of you kind of uh, talked about it a little bit. He is so good at filling holes where where you know e- even if it's not his responsibility, he'll get to the right spot and make sure that he shuts that down before it turns into a 20, 30, 40 yard run. Now he struggled against ASU, but as we discussed earlier, you know, he was pretty sick that game. And, and I think it was, you know, kind of found out over, um, you know, the, the, the winter and, and early spring um, that he was not feeling good that game. So I think, you know, you look at it and I think the key for these guys, uh, when you're lo- you're talking about Con schooler and Tony fields is that they stay healthy. And um, I think to be able to do that though, I think you got to get him off the field every once in a while. Yeah. And um you know th- these guys you know are playing at such an elite level but you you know you're playing snap after snap and just getting beat up all the time. So I think that's going to be tremendously important for, you know, the 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 success of this defense to keep these guys on the field and get, you know, a solid rotation. Even if it's a core rotation of, you know, four guys that you you have to sub through, I think you got to get these guys a breather and just make sure that, um, you know, we can get them off the, the field every once in a while.
0: That's a really good point, uh, Rick. And the same thing happened again with Colorado linebackers. They were playing basically every snap over and over and over and over. over again and this was the year that uh what's his face bolted to oregon uh uh uh, jim levitt and so i bring that up because that that defense was awesome and they had these two linebackers you could just tell as the season progressed they didn't have the step they weren't quite you know they weren't quite there they're still making the tackles but they weren't in the right spots and all that stuff and when you look at our depth here at linebacker not not super great, right? Like Anthony Pandey could be a player that, could, I mean, clearly is going to be a player that's going to see a lot of playing time. Um, can oh, he yeah. be a transcendent player? I'm not certain. I don't think so, but you know, like it's really fun. That's why college football is so fun because there are these players that make this leap and you don't know sometimes who they are. We have Lee Anderson, who's, I think, a redshirt senior now who had about 14 tackles. And then after that, it's like David Coleman, who <laughs> I mean, like that's kind of it, right? Like who's going yeah. to fill that spot? Exactly
1: there's yeah, and it's it's tough and and i mean we have we had one crew, Darian Clark, who's six one two twenty. Um, by all accounts, I think that they were planning on trying to redshirt him. And so, you know, you're really looking at a rotation of Colin Schooler, Tony fields. And then I think Anthony Pandy and from all indications, especially with Michael love, um, you know, watching a lot of spring practice, um, they, Anthony Pandy is a guy that I think all of us should watch out for in terms of having explosive, um, year this year and really coming on um, you know, as a, as, as a junior as well. So I, you know, I, I in my opinion, if, if we are getting down to, um, uh, Davon Cole, Coleman and then, uh, Isaiah Johnson and Lee Anderson, the third for heavy minutes, we're in real trouble. Um, and, and again, I think what you've seen as well, at least on the recruiting side of things is in 20, Twenty, we need to have at least two or three linebackers brought in, and I think that's been a real point of emphasis by the staff.
0: Yeah, well, we had the grad transfer—not the grad transfer, the regular transfer from Texas A&M—who um, said a number of, uh, I think, <laughs> allegedly unseemly things, and he was gone. So I thought that that would have been a really good, yes. you know, anchor for that depth. I mean, maybe he starts, maybe he doesn't. I think he would have started. Tony Fields, a lot smaller than um, than his numbers indicate, right? He plays with hard he plays yep. hard, um, but he's not the biggest guy on the field. And when you bring in somebody that just yeah. has that prototypical body and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little worried. And you make a really good point for this coming recruiting class. That's something to keep a lookout for. Is is Kevin Sumlin and is Marcel Yates, if he's still around? I don't think he's going to be around. But... <laughs> um, if they bring in some really solid linebacking uh, folks. The, the good thing is, uh, I think it's uh, Quibena Watson is – Mm-hmm. I just asked love this right now, and he's moving over to the edge rusher, which is like kind of a linebacker, you know so like I think we have I mean, he is he came in with a ton of uh he came out of Fresno uh, a ton of his, pedigree he's one of our better recruits, right his film was awesome.
1: I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but um i mean he was he was tearing people up um at that linebacker spot. Um, and I mean, I, not only a great edge rusher, but you know, great tackler and a huge motor. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, they're lacking a little bit of depth, Mm. if they, um, you know, I know that they were looking at, you know, trying to get him playing time this year. Um, and, and that may still be the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if things go well and we don't have a ton of injuries throughout the year, if they try and, uh, redshirt him, um, and then move him back to uh, you know to to more of a, a true linebacker position. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Keep a lookout for that. The other player is Eddie Siamu, the player out of the Pacific Islands who played in the Polynesian Bowl. Um, I, I didn't see a lot of his tape, so I can't really put a finger on whether or not he's gonna start this year. I doubt it. And, uh, but you never know. Like, if we get really thin and we have a couple injuries, it'd be interesting to see. Um, obviously, I think Quebena Watson would be a much more likely player to fill in if there's time to be had there, but definitely a position of need in the coming recruiting classes. Tell me something good. I'm trying not to be negative here, but, uh, <laughs> but. I- <laughs> No, i I think no,
1: I I think it's really, you know, we we talk about impact guys, and I think that, you know, this is the third year that linebacking core has been together, and you know, you look at continuity, and you look at, um, you know what, you know, a strength not only with, you know that that you know basically back seven but you you also look at the front four and I think that you know while for Arizona fans while there were some losses that we're going to have to overcome and, and I think congratulations to you know guys like PJ Johnson who you know are getting a shot in the league with the Lions um, you know that made a huge impact last year for us I think where where this year is going to to surprise some fans is I think that there are going to be some guys that maybe you've heard of maybe you haven't but I think there's going to be some guys that emerge for us and really start to build, um, you know, a, a, you know, basically a good base uh, for this defense moving forward and whether or not, you know, Marcel Yates is here, they'll have the talent to work with that. I don't think Rich Rodriguez was, um, you know, typically recruiting on that side of the ball. And so I'm really excited to see what they do.
0: It'll be interesting to see. Let's move to the edge rushers here where there is some stability yeah. and there's some depth. We have Jalen Harris, who was um, a bit of a revelation last year, playing at the stud, which is kind of like that hybrid um, edge rusher slash linebacker. He can do some funky stuff. 27 tackles, four tackles for a loss, quarterback hurry, and a pass breakup. Um, on the other side, you have J.B. Brown, who had seven and a half tackles for a loss and 30 tackles. Um, he was actually slated at linebacker and moved over to the defensive end. So I guess like, if you really, really want to dig into the barrel, there's another person that you can pull back. <laughs> I doubt that that's going to happen, though. Yeah. We'll have to check out. It didn't seem like yeah. that was the case. Um, yeah. And then and then backing up, so you have Justin Belknap, who um, started last year and then got injured, and that was when J.B. Brown filled in for him. You had uh, Kylan mm-hmm. Wilburn, who just fell off the face of the earth. What happened, Rick?
1: I had no idea. I mean, I, I know... The emergence of Jalen Harris, you know, hurt him a little bit, but. I mean, he was, he was pretty silent. Um, he got his bell rung uh, a couple times as well, especially his freshman year. Um, and I know that, that, you know, that obviously they're not going to release injury reports willy nilly and, and Kevin Sumlin's kind of notorious for that, but he just didn't look like the same player for stretches last year. And I, it, it got me thinking, and I'm wondering if, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't a hundred percent for most of the year, because we know, we, we knew how good of a player he was from his freshman year. So it's, it's going to be a really important year for him to see you know what he uh materializes into
0: yeah absolutely uh, absolutely his first year freshman all-american double digit tackles for loss um was one of the biggest surprises of the team um coming into that defense and one of the reasons marcel yates kept his job right he was pointing to the three freshman all-americans that we had on our team saying i can build on this <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and he was one of them yeah. ends up with 14 tackles three tackles for loss and a forced fumble so i mean was still playing with still had a couple stats but certainly wasn't the breakthrough season that we hope that he had Um, again the other guy we have is uh quibena watson who could play the the edge could back up over to linebacker depending on what's going on there but i'm a little bit more confident on the the edge and we're gonna need it because inside rick holy goodness
1: (laughs) Back to, back to uh, 250, 275 pound defensive tackles, huh?
0: <laughs> I have. So they moved Jalen uh, Cochran to, to interior defensive line. That guy's like 260 pounds, Rick.
1: I know. I know. Trust me. Well, you know, to be honest, though, like when, and again, I, no knock on, on you know, PJ Johnson and J.B. Brown when they were together and on the inside last year and and PJ Johnson did an amazing job yeah. at plugging up that middle, but man, we had in terms of the overall strength of that line, we got eaten up by bigger, more physical teams, even last year. Um, and so, you know, again, it's it's going to be one of those things where we kind of revert back to, I think 2016, 2017, where, You know, we've got some smaller guys. I think that the thing that I look at with this group, um, and and I'm interested to see how you feel, is I think we have edge rushers now that we haven't had at Arizona for years. Um, And when you're talking about guys like a Jalen Harris um, and a a Kylan Wilborn, um, J.B. Brown, I mean, we're talking guys with length. Um, with moves that I think are our next level NFL type moves um, in terms of the way that they get their hands in on the tackles um, and, and I think that that if we can get us a, a more solidified edge rush I think it's going to help us anchor the middle of that line a little bit better even though we got you know guys that are are you know not 300 plus pounders in there uh, once again so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of maneuver um, I think they're, they're I, in terms of stunts um, you know they're was a little, I think a a bigger emphasis on Um, you know, moving around PJ Johnson into different, uh, schemes, which, you know, sometimes he was, he was at N sometimes they moved him down right on the nose tackle or over the a gap. It'll be fascinating to see how they use this group and how they maneuver. Because again, I think that, that these guys, this group has, has the potential to be a really, really strong unit. If you can get those edge rushers to the quarterback, get some pressure on there. Um, and also eat up some of the, the, uh, you know, the, the misdirection off. Offenses that you'll find the Pac-12, they're a little bit quicker,
0: anyways. Let's take a look, you know, as the season progresses, because I think the best uh, edge rushing class that we had in recent memory was the Brooks Reed, Ricky Elmore uh, guys that were kind of oh, running yeah. around with their heads on fire. I do think that Jalen Harris looks like he has some pretty strong uh, measurables to not only cause damage in the stats, but also he's just kind of a handful to deal with. I know J.B. Brown had yeah. better stats than than Harris, but I just I don't know. I think that I think that we've had better classes, but uh, we've certainly had better rushers now than we've had in the last four years. I think I'd have to go back and look. Um, it's been a while since I've looked at our stats back then. Um, but the thing that bothers me a little bit is that so these guys are are better than we've had in, in recent memory, but they were better than we had in, in recent memory with, like you said, Derek Bowles and um, and P.J. Johnson battling up front yeah now you have Fenton Connolly, and to Connolly's credit so he's at 305 pounds now 6'5 305 so he's certainly put on weight and good weight yeah like yeah the 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 thing that always worries me is when you get guys that come in as freshmen and you're like oh this guy's like 6'5 340 pounds usually that's not the best (laughs) type of weight right you they need to take a while to get that cut off but um and I think that might be
1: oh go ahead No, no. And I was just going to say, I think you see that with some of the younger guys they brought in, um, you know, that they're, they're trying to build that defensive tackle weight on top of the muscle rather than, you know, trying to have them lose the weight uh, and try to get down to a healthier, um, you know, a healthier version of themselves so that they can actually stay on the field.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you do have to put in Fenton Connolly at the first tackle. Um, I think the second one is going to be Miles Tapasoa, who is the JUCO transfer. So six two three twenty six. And Rick, from what I heard, Lev said that he was he looked pretty good in the spring game. That was the one thing I didn't watch was the spring game, which I was kind of bummed about. But um, yeah. I, I had to cut the yeah. cord for a little while for Pac Twelve Network. I'm like, I'm not watching volleyball, guys. I'm just not. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I didn't. I didn't even count Miles because I, I view him as a wild card right now. I, I don't know, I don't know what you're going to get come summer. My, my hope is, is that he gets conditioned um, and they get him in a spot where he can be a two to three down defensive tackle, um, you know, and, and can play, um, you know, with his hair on fire, kind of like PJ Johnson. But again, I, I, I don't know where that's going to be. And that's, that's kind of what scares me. And so then, you know, you're basically looking at fit and Connelly, um, and having to move a couple of those guys down potentially to help solidify and, and fill and get that rotation going. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I love, you know, the the one thing we do have to talk about and something that I, we already see within the program is the focus by the staff to go after, um, you know, plus 300 linemen um, that are over six, two, six, three, you know, big, physical guys that, um, you know, that can play right away. And that's something that we didn't typically see underneath Rich Rod's regime. I mean, they, they recruited some decent linemen, um, but you know, these were linemen you had to put in the system for, you know, a couple of years and have them develop. I think the, the move to try and get these bigger guys in, whether it comes from the Juco ranks or from, you know, them, them being recruited in as freshmen. Um, I think it's a really good sign and, and something that, you know, this year is, is going to be a trial by fire with, um, you know, the loss of those guys and, and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of unknown right there in the middle, but I think down the road, it's going to pay dividends for us in terms of uh, recruiting some of those guys.
0: Yeah. A couple other items and players to keep a lookout for is uh, Mikey Irving. So, um, talk about, maybe not the best type of weight, so 6'3", 337. And then Trevin Mason, who's a JUCO transfer, 6'5", 280. He had an offer from Nebraska and Western Kentucky. So it wasn't super highly touted, but, yeah. um, I mean, we're going to need him. <laughs> we're going to need most of these yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I and I think
1: the the other um, the other player you might want to keep a, an eye on as, as well is Nahe Salonga. Um, you know, he's... He's gotten some good traction coming out of spring ball. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be ready to contribute in a big way this year. I mean, he's still only two seventy, but I know that they try to put a bunch of weight on him um, and potentially look at moving him to the outside as well. But I think it's it's there's there's definitely some talent in there, and it's going to be interesting to see who emerges this year.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's good to it's good to have depth later on as we go along. Two seventy, though, woo, buddy. We're now we're talking Rich Rod, uh, like you mentioned. It's tough.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, you know what? If you get and and you know, I think the other thing for Arizona fans is. Um, I I think one thing we'll pay attention to is what groupings they stick in there in terms of, you know, on third down, if we're looking at, you know, a plus five situation where, you know, it's third down and seven, are they going to run in a speedier group? into that, that, uh, you know, that defensive line, um, or are they going to try and establish, you know, a set group of starters and a, and a small rotation to keep in there for, you know, all three downs. And I, I think that's something that, you know, we haven't seen at least last year. We haven't seen Marcel Yates really explore because, you know, he left PJ Johnson in for a long period of time, Jamie Brown, you know, some of those starters, I think this year, you know, because it's kind of a trial by fire, there's more of an opportunity for us to kind of experiment a little bit and figure out, um, you know, if we can get a better pass rush by getting some of the smaller guys in and then on first and second down, if we put the beef in the middle, um, and see what sticks.
0: Right on. Um, a couple more items to mention. So wide receiver, Devon Cooper was dismissed for the program, went into the transfer portal. Uh, Mike King Johnson was also dismissed into the transfer portal. Um, Devon Cooper being the bigger of the two, that um is in the mm-hmm. portal uh, that left obviously he was going to be somebody that was going to contribute right away at the wide receiving core mikey johnson came in with some some talent and pedigree i'd say came with some pedigree never really saw the yeah. fields um was kind of a disappointment on that front so hopefully uh the best of luck to them as they move on to different teams i hope they get some playing time elsewhere uh anything what, what else should we talk about anything else you want to you want to cover here rick
1: yeah. And, uh, just another piece of news um, that Arizona football now has a brand new director of recruiting and high school relations. Um, so he actually replaced um, Andy Vaughn, who left for um, a position at Miami back in March. Um, this guy's got a pretty good pedigree. Um, you know, he was a associate director of player personnel underneath Paul Johnson at Georgia tech. And then, uh, he also was the assistant recruiting coordinator, um, at at Arkansas, um, earlier, uh, this decade. So, um, you know, he's, he's well-regarded. I think what's interesting in, in terms of the philosophies and the dynamics of the way the football program runs now versus under, under, um, yeah, you know, Rich Rodriguez is the emphasis that they, that we have, and the the resources that we have that Kevin Sumlin has put in place um, to help us recruit better. Um, I think to to cover our bases a lot more. I'm sure a lot of uh, Arizona fans are seeing a lot of the coaches um, really hitting the uh, recruiting track hard and really making it known. And I think that's a that's a refreshing change from where it's been, um, just because it's been uh, you know pretty bleak over the last you know three years, two years of, of Rich rodriguez regime in terms of um, you know the the three star players, the four star players. And I think these guys are going to make a huge difference for us as we get a couple of years down the road. So i'm
0: pretty excited about that yeah yeah right on i mean it'll be really exciting to um again we're recruiting texas we're recruiting california we're making pushes i, I just think that there's a, a better energy in this coaching staff and shouts out to uh Quibena watson who's following us on twitter we need you buddy we need you yep. Yeah, step it up, man! Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited to watch him play. I think he was one of the better um, uh, commitments that we had of this class. So really excited. And then there's certainly the the world's your oyster, man. <laughs> so very uh,
1: <laughs>
0: um, no no I, playing I, I, time for all. <laughs> no, playing time for all. But I do think you know going back to a few months ago when we were talking about this recruiting class. Um, uh, if you're looking at it from an outsider, somebody that isn't following Arizona athletics, you kind of go, ah, oh, well. It's kind of similar to what we did in the past, but I just thought positions of need, bigger guys with some key people like Watson and Booby and um, and Wolf and some of these players that are I said Booby, but like so players like that where um, really just an infusion of talent immediately will be will be really fun to partake in. Um, anything we should be covering in the off? Do you, what do you want us to cover in the off here, Rick?
1: the off season football season. I think, you know, I think it's really important. We, we keep a strong, um, eye on recruiting. And, uh, the reason I say that is because we basically have two recruits, um, moving in through 2020. And I know it's early um, and I know that the, uh, the open period just popped up, but um, I think that's, that's a really big uh, storyline to keep track of is to see where we sit with this 2020 class. Cause this is a really important class, um, you know, for Kevin Sumlin. I also think we want to keep an eye on and, and it'll be interesting to see what, you know, what kind of comes out of the local Tucson media regarding, um, you know, some of these freshmen as, you know, graduation season is upon us Um some of these guys that are coming in a little bit late, um, like Bobby Wolf, it'll be interesting to see as soon as they get integrated with football activities, you know, kind of what, you know, the thoughts and feelings are on some of these guys might be. So, you know, we'll kind of keep an eye on that. And then, um, I think we'll have some really interesting stuff for the fans. Uh, you know, I and the two Ricks, um, Rick and Rick uh, decided to uh, put together a piece uh, to kind of discuss Kevin Sumlin's recruiting classes versus, um, you know, Mike Stoops and Rich Rodriguez and kind of comparing those. So um, keep a lookout for that uh, coming up, you know, a little bit later this summer because I think that'll be something that kind of ties fans over, um, you know, until fall hits.
0: Okay. Last thing. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that piece, by the way, that'll be good. Last thing here. Let's go through Arizona's away schedule. And see if there's a couple games that we want to pick out for a trip. here. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I would love to do Hawaii, but I just it's gonna like it's too expensive. I can't oh, I can't man. justify spending that much on a football game.
1: I don't. You know what? I here's the thing though. I do have a companion fair uh, with Alaska, so um, maybe we could swing something like that.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me. Um, what.
1: Maybe we don't kill that one so early because I think I think we might be able to to take a look at that.
0: Okay, okay. So that's August twenty fourth. Let's put that in the the best case scenario no. here.
1: <laughs> okay, perfect.
0: Um, so at Colorado, we can go chill okay. with our friends at the Free Balm Podcast. Um, yep. At Stanford, we could. Uh, yep. We could study in in a library. Uh, beautiful campus. Well, we're though. going. To-
1: yeah oh beautiful well and and we're going to Oregon yeah because uh, the you know we live right here so that makes
0: sense and then at Oregon I'm state I'm trying to look or, or at at Arizona yeah. state that's kind of it maybe maybe we try and hit USC though oh uh, USC sucks like it's uh, that the city sucks <laughs> it's crowded LAX sucks I, that stadium sucks the team sucks like
1: I mean, we're, we're kind of running out of options here, right? Because, like, I would say, you know, it's too bad. Well, it's not too bad because um, Washington always sucks it up when they come and play Arizona down in Tucson. So um, next year, though, like, you know, Washington will be up up uh, in Seattle. That would be a really fun trip. So we, I think we've already got to circle that one. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of a weird away schedule this year. I mean, there's not, you know, we're. I mean, I guess we could go to the AFU game. Um, I mean that's still flowing out there.
0: I would much rather go to Palo Alto and go wine tasting like the day before and just, just rage through Sonoma and Napa and then go to Palo Alto. Um and I would I here, would rather drop five hundred dollars doing that than spend a penny in Los Angeles.
1: <laughs> here here is here is the thing that you can so going to the farm is fantastic. Although I, when I lived in the Bay area, I went to three Arizona Stanford games and we got crushed every game. So I, I kind of have PTSD, but (laughs) the tailgates were so Epic because not only do Stanford fans never show up, but they don't really like the tailgate. So with all the, the Arizona fans and Arizona alums that live in the Bay area, you have a massive, massive group of Arizona fans that all somehow find each other um, and and then just you know create a huge block party. So I've, I'm definitely for a Stanford trip, and and uh, I would not turn that down.
0: Okay, well we'll stay tuned. Stay tuned. I'll run the same question by the other gentleman too. But we usually try to do one away game a year, and um, I'm I'm thinking that we're definitely going to do Oregon. So if you want to go to Oregon, like just join us. Um, but yeah. Hawaii, Stanford, or Colorado. So. Keep a look yep. out. Keep a look out.
1: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and I think, I mean, this year we're definitely definitely making two, maybe three um, away games, so we'll have to fill that out. But, yeah, it should be a good slate.
0: All right. Well, for everybody listening, thank you so much. Subscribe to the podcast for free um, on any podcast catcher, any podcast player that you have. Follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Where can the fine people follow you, Rick DeNice?
1: Uh You can find me on Twitter at R-I-C-K-D-N-S-E. Um, and that's pretty much the only place I reside because I, I love the Twitter trolls. So that's where you can get me.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, hey, one one more thing before we sign off. I had promised a listener that we would do corrections um, on the podcast. So there's a couple things I got wrong the last, um, the last podcast. So at some point, Brandon Williams was listed as a five-star, and we went into this diatribe about like, To our credit, like, we brought up IRA Lee as a player that Sean Miller has developed. Certainly he's developed TJ McConnell and Solomon Hill, so, and like Derek Williams, and there's, there's a long list of players that Miller has developed. One of the things that we were criticizing for was the fact that we had a player that came in with, with a lot of hype. Um, and I think he was a five star at the very beginning. He slipped to a four star. I apologize. We did a long diatribe on that. I got that wrong. And I got something else wrong. To be continued. I'll bring it up next podcast, but before I forget, I want to make sure to read it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll
1: have some corrections off of this one, too, since it is, like, midnight my time, or midnight on the East Coast, so bear with us.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes. Send any corrections to at Wildcat Radio AZ. The only thing you're not allowed to correct is our pronunciation if Rick, uh, Rick... Powell is not on the podcast. That's the only thing we're not, you're not allowed to criticize here. So,
1: <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, let, you're the one that corrects me all the time. So I'll take it from you, but not from uh, any of the uh, Arizona fans listening.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming on, Rick, and we will catch everybody next week.
1: Bear down.